able to join us for the second lesson of Tabletop Bible Study, and I welcome all of the folks that are here in the sanctuary with me and those that are watching at home, or perhaps maybe you are going to tune into this sometime later um, and uh, you want to know the information. If you are online and you would like to follow along with this information, you can go to our website and download it in a PDF form. It's lesson two, and we're talking about water baptism. So if you, if you have your material, or if you have a book, or if you have the, the downloaded version, then I'm just going to stay right with our script and what we've written uh, on, on this second lesson. Here we go. Jesus made several statements that we must obey. He said, you must repent. You must be baptized. Jesus said, you must be born again. So in this lesson, we're going to note that the first church, which was birthed in the book of Acts, did more than just confess the Lord uh, as the Savior. They were, in fact, baptized in water, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. So it's imperative that sinners obey the Lord. We know that everyone must repent. And then as we discover tonight, the Bible declares that we must be baptized in the name of Jesus as he commanded. You'll notice that Jesus did not say that we could be saved by confessing him as Lord. Jesus never said that. In fact, the Lord told us to repent and to be baptized in water and in the Spirit. So, The second lesson explores how Matthew's record of the Lord's Great Commission was perfectly executed by Peter's first sermon on the day of Pentecost, and I'll illustrate that. And of course, we're going to find out what Peter's role is, and then we're going to talk a little bit about types and shadows which are found in the Old Testament and how they apply to our salvation today. So this is a question that we have to answer because the Bible gives clarification And the Bible is going to provoke us to answer this. This is the question. Must a person be baptized to enter heaven? Is that a requirement of the Lord? So let's go back to that midnight meeting when Nicodemus and Jesus are talking. And Nicodemus goes to the Lord and he says, Lord, Rabbi, Master, we know that thou art a good teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. That's John chapter 3, verse 1. And that was a wonderful uh, introduction. It was filled with honor and respect. But Jesus bypassed all the formalities. Of course, it is midnight, or it is very late in the evening. And he bypassed the formalities and just said simply, I have something to say to you. Verily I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot uh, see the kingdom of God. And this provokes Nicodemus to ask the logical question. Well, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he go back into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, oh, no, no. So now here's on your handout, John 3, verses 5 through 7. And if by chance you have a color-coded Bible, you'll notice that this is in red letters, which just indicates that Jesus is talking. And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
that which is born of flesh is flesh. What you're talking about, going back into mother's womb, that's flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel, Jesus said. You must be born again. Now remember what Jesus said at the end of Mark chapter 16. I want to remind you about the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they all declare the birth, the life, and the death of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. These are all basically written in the same structure. They all are talking about the birth, life, living, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of them. And all of them have something in common. The first three are called the synoptic gospels. And, and, and of course, John is going to prove uh, the deity of Jesus Christ. He's going to start a little different. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are going to start with the birth of Jesus Christ. It was on this wise, Joseph and Mary. John begins at the beginning. In fact, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He said, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. John 1:14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The thought of God became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So if you're just studying this, just remember this, that in the beginning, the thought, the logos was there. And then Jesus had a natural, physical beginning when he was born of Mary. And of course, we know that story and it's a wonderful story. So I just want you to, Know that at the end of this, Matthew has a great commission. Mark and Luke have this great commission. And we want to we talk about this, this great commission for a moment that happens in Mark chapter 16. This is what Jesus said. Once again, for all of us red letter people that we love the red letters. Jesus said this, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized. Now, we know from John chapter 3 that Jesus submitted two types of baptisms which were to come. Baptisms of water and of spirit. And then he says, you have to believe and you have to be baptized. Jesus never said, he that believeth is saved. And then sometime later, if you want to, get baptized or be baptized. That's not what he said. I want to remind you of the gospel. Let me just talk a little bit about the gospel that we covered yesterday, uh, last week rather, um, the gospel, it seems like yesterday. The gospel is this. It's always the same. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How about that for Picasso? The resurrection of Jesus Christ, always. How do I know that? We talked about it last week. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4. Paul said, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached unto you, the gospel you received, how that Jesus died, how he was buried, how he rose again on the third day. So if we say the gospel is the good news, I'm happy about that. That's good. It is the good news. But that is not really the definition of the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. That's what the Pharisees were trying to squash. They didn't want that gospel out. And then when the early church began, began, we were supposed to follow the gospel. 
how do I follow the gospel? How do I die? How am I buried? How do I rise again? Well, we're not talking about a literal sense. We're not talking about a physical death, but we're going to die to our flesh. As we talked about last week, death is found for me and you in repentance to repent. And repentance, as we talked about last week, is a turning away. Now we're ready for baptisms because the gospel, his death, his burial, his resurrection. I want to follow the gospel. I'm commanded to obey, believe the gospel. We talked about this last week. So let's talk about baptism of water tonight. We're going to specifically just concentrate on this burial, which is a water baptism. Water baptism. And the Bible is replete with water baptism. So here we go. Burial, baptize. It comes from the Greek word baptizo. And it's the process of immersion or to be submersed, fully submersed, like you would bury someone. Now, through the years, and I'm just going to give this little sidetrack. If you want to take some notes, you can. There were many councils uh, in, in the medieval times and in the early church days. And in the 300s, there were several different councils. One of the councils happened in a, in a place called Nicaea. And in, in 312 and in 325, those two years, those two councils, they changed the mode and the method of baptism. And so from, from fully being fully immersed to sprinkling, that was changed in 312 AD at the Council of Nicaea. Later on in 325 in the Council of Nicaea, those early, this would be more like a Catholicism, uh, those early fathers in that particular vein and, in the, and, and which would later become into the Protestant movement, they changed the, the, the name from exclusivity of the name of Jesus into the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost. So I want to go back to immersion. You don't bury someone with sprinkling mud or dirt on them or dust. You immerse them, put them under the ground. This is baptism. Baptism is the immersion or submersion. So here is Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. So just as Jesus died, we're, we're baptized into his death. Galatians 3.27, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have done what? Put on Christ. You can't put on Christ unless you're baptized into Christ. Here's Romans 6.4, therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death. This is a physical thing that the early church did. They were baptized in water and this was significant, significant because it mirrored the death and the burial of Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Uh, so I'm just showcasing that the early church baptized with water, and it was a commandment and assumed that everyone uh, who was going to be buried with Christ had to do that through baptism. So now let's go to Matthew. Remember, we, we talked about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about Luke and about Matthew and those, those moments where they recorded the Great Commission. The Bible talks about a moment when Jesus is speaking to Peter. 
And Jesus says to Peter in Matthew 6, 18, if you have a page, you're probably on the next page. Matthew 6, 18 and 19. He said to Peter, I say that thou art Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, Jesus is not saying that Peter is the rock. In fact, Simon Peter would be more like a small pebble. He's talking about himself. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, Peter has no idea what those mean. But after he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, there is a revelation of what those keys are. Now, if you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just as we talked about, Luke also gives a great commission. Jesus is speaking and Luke records the great commission according to Luke. It's in Luke chapter 24. And he said unto them, this is Jesus talking, thus it is written, are you on your page? Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Who's talking? Jesus is talking. And the repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name. Whose name? In Jesus' name. Among all nations began at Jerusalem. Who's talking? Jesus is talking in third person. Now, we don't do that very much. Do you talk in third person? I don't talk in third person. I remember a long time ago, I saw an interview with a basketball player, a big, massive basketball player. He was one of the great basketball players. His name was Shaquille O'Neal. And the, and the interviewer, uh, she was saying, you know, what, what is your plan for tonight? And Shaquille O'Neal said, and I quote, Shaquille's going to dominate. <laughs> and every time she would ask him a question, he'd talk in third person. He'd say, you know, Shaquille's going to, I'm going to, Shaquille's going to stuff the ball. He never said, I am. This is the same thing. Jesus is talking in third person. He's saying, it was appropriate for me to suffer, rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in my name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now, underline that repentance and remission of sins at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And then watch this. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. No one has any idea what that means. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I'm going to just move real quickly. At the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, comes this book of Acts. This is where people were actually saved. It's the only book in the Bible where you can actually see someone being born again. It's the only book in the Bible that declares the gospel of Jesus Christ played out in real time among people. So, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, everyone was together. And we're going to find this out next week. There was a powerful movement. The Holy Ghost fell. It spilled out on the streets. Peter began to preach the first message and he preached it and when he was done, the Bible says they were pricked in their heart. They were cut to the heart, convicted. Because Peter said, this same Jesus that, you, that you've crucified, he is Lord. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? How can we be saved? And Peter pulls out the keys to the kingdom. He may not have known what the keys were when Jesus first spoke it, but he preached it and I believe under the unction or revelation of, of the Lord. This is what Peter preached. He said, repent, here's the gospel, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for, everyone say for. That means to obtain. That word for comes from the Greek word to obtain. 
the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you. Now, just for everyone's sake, you know, when the Bible was written, it was not written with verses and all the periods that we have. But the Bible translators gave us these verses so that we could identify where the words were. So I just want you to know that when Peter said, you should receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you, the promise is referring directly to the gift of the Holy Ghost. So when you walk back up to Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, when Jesus said, I'm going to send the promise of my father, they didn't know what that was. But they found out on the day of Pentecost that the promise of the Father was the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Here are the keys of the kingdom. It was given on the day of Pentecost, the keys. And Jesus said it in Luke chapter 24. He said it, look at this. He commanded disciples that repentance and remission of sins. These are big terms that were preached by Peter. Preached in his name, in the name of Jesus, where? At Jerusalem. Now remember, as I just ta taught you, the Lord's speaking in third person. He said it was appropriate for Christ himself to suffer and die. So now we can check the following proclamations of the Lord in this great commission according to Luke. He said, repentance, remission of sins, preached in my name. That's in Jesus' name. Where were they? It began in Jerusalem, and he talked about the promise. Five major points of the great commission according to Luke. So the question is, what happened on the day of Pentecost? Here's the answer. Peter preached the way of salvation. He used the keys of the kingdom that the Lord had given him. He preached exactly what Jesus instructed him to do in Luke 24. Peter preached repentance in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. He was in Jerusalem and he preached about the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Ghost. So now on the next page, let's just mark it off. Here it is. The keys to the kingdom. You must repent. We established that last week. You must repent. No one is going to go to heaven without repenting. You must repent of your sins. So Peter preached repentance. That's death. Remission of sins. That's burial. What? How? In Jesus' name. He said you must be baptized in Jesus' name. For or to obtain remission of sins. Where were they? They were in Jerusalem. And then Acts 2.39 identifies the promise. So can you imagine this, this happened at the, the start of the church, began with the death, the burial, and the resurrection. The gospel was preached. That is the original concept of salvation according to the Bible. If you're starting to look at Romans and Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, you're talking about churches and saints that were already saved. They had already experienced the new birth experience. They had already experienced what happened in Acts chapter 2. They had already obeyed the gospel in repentance, water baptism, and spirit baptism. Okay. Somebody asked me one time, well, why doesn't the Bible just say that baptism saves us? That, I, that baptism will save us. And, and a man asked me that, and he might be watching tonight. I hope you are. And he said, well, Pastor, if you can show me that, I'll be baptized. And I said, okay, you better go get, you better go get the robe on right now, because I got the scripture. And uh, sure enough, it was a wonderful day. I'm so glad. I'm going to combine these moments together 
before I get to that scripture, of course, you can read it for yourself, but let me just combine this a little bit because I think it's important. If you go down to the bottom of your page, you'll see number four. So I thought maybe tonight we'll just kind of look at this in its totality. Um, two days ago, I was up early and my daughter was at the table and uh, the boys had not come to the table for, for our family devotion. <laughs> and I don't know what was wrong with them. So Alexandra and I just, we had this conversation and I said, Alexandra, what is a type and a shadow? And so we talked about types and shadows for about 30 minutes and um, the light bulbs were coming on for her and we were talking about what the types were, the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's kind of interesting. You know, if if you see the sun shining, you know, you see the sun shining and the sun shines and, and, and here's a, a monument of some sort and the sunshine and there's a shadow over here of that monument. The shadow is cast on the ground, you know, wherever the sun is shining. And that's the shadow. You got that shadow right there? Here is the, here is the actual and here's the shadow. Everybody got that? The actual and the shadow. Well, the Old Testament is the shadow, and the New Testament is the actual. It's kind of flipped. So, I mean, you would think that maybe the actual was in the Old Testament, and it's not. So the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come. That's a type and a shadow. So there are multiple types and shadows in, in, in the Bible. I won't give them all to you because we don't have all night, and we're not at my table, and I'm not able to drink coffee while you ask me questions, but if you'd like to come tomorrow morning at 7.30, just knock on the door. I'm sure Tammy would love to have everybody just show up, and then we'll do types and shadows. Okay, so these are types and shadows. Um, Types and shadows are real events which reflect future likenesses of things to come, things to come. Here is a serpent in the wilderness. They had disobeyed God. The Old Testament, they had disobeyed God. The children of Israel had everything. They disobeyed the Lord. They broke his commandments. And there was a disease. God cursed them. But of course, he made a way out. They were struggling. Some of them were dying. And God said, Moses, take a large pole and then craft a bronze or a brazen serpent around that pole. And then lift it up and walk through the crowd. And everyone who looks upon the brazen or the bronze serpent will be healed. They'll be healed. You ever seen the ambulance come by and you see the little serpent wrapped around a little pole? That's where it comes from. It comes from the serpent in the wilderness, the bronze serpent in the wilderness. These are, the, the Bible is baked in to the culture of American society. Um, so that is... The, the bronze serpent represented, that was a shadow of the actual. What was the actual? Well, here's the actual, John three fourteen. In fact, it spells it out. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, the shadow, even so the son of man, the actual, must be lifted up. Jesus said that. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, I'm going to be lifted up. Here's another type and shadow, the Passover. Here's the Passover. Moses goes to Pharaoh, let my people go. He, he says no until finally the last plague comes. And what was the last plague? 
the last plague was that an angel was going to come and visit the house of everyone who did not have the blood applied to the exterior or the doorpost of their house. What kind of blood? Well, it was the blood of a lamb. So this was the commandment of God. Go to your field, take a lamb, a spotless lamb, or a lamb that was as pure as you can get it. Kill the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and wipe it on the doorpost, the outer doorpost of your home. And then cook the lamb, go inside, and eat the lamb. Bring all of your family in. Stay in there all night. Do not leave your house. So it's blood on the outside. Watch this. Blood on the outside, lamb on the inside. And when the angel would come, if he sees the blood, he'll pass over your home and not visit your home. That's why they call it the Passover. And they were doing it every year and still to this day, the Passover. Watch this. Here's the word. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Here's 1 Corinthians 5, 7. For even as Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. When did Jesus die? He died. He was killed on the Passover. John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Jesus became the Lamb. He died once and for all. No more lambs need to be killed. No more oxen or turtle doves. No more blood. Because Jesus was the lamb and we were redeemed with, the Bible says, the precious blood of Christ. That's how we were redeemed. So this was a type and a shadow. The Passover was the shadow. The Passover, the blood of the lamb, the actual lamb from their field, that was the shadow. The blood of Christ was the actual. Everybody got that? Are we doing good? Here's the Red Sea. These are types in your Bible. The Red Sea. So they leave Egypt. They get to the Red Sea. Moses parts the water. And they're, they're racing through the Red Sea on dry ground. Now, I, I won't take too much time to explain this, but Egypt is a type, capital T, a type of sin. Leprosy is a type of sin. And there are other types. So watch this. They're, they're leaving Egypt, and then Pharaoh changes his mind. He gets all of his armies together. He races after them with their chariots. They're afraid they see this, this pillow of smoke rising up, this dust cloud. They know that they're going to be killed. But God leads them through. And when they get to the other side, Moses, he turns back. And God says, the enemy that you see today, you'll see no more. They pass through the water. And then when Pharaoh and his army, the Bible said, assayed or desired or, or wanted to pass through, the, the water drowned them. So sin was following them. Egypt is a type of sin. And water covered sin. That's baptism. Here it is in your Bible, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. That's the children of Israel. And we're all what? Baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Spirit and water baptism. That was the shadow of the actual. Day of Pentecost they were baptized in the water and the spirit. This is the same words that Jesus used in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus. You must be born again of the water and the spirit. It was in their history books. The water and the spirit. The cloud and the sea. They knew what this was. Hebrews 11, 28, 29. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkle of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. That was the, that was the death. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as 
by dry ground, which the Egyptians essayed to do, were drowned. Sin was buried under the water. That's baptism. Now let's get to this verse that I passed up here at, at your top of your page. That's 1 Peter chapter 3. Noah was living in an era where they were perverse. They were marrying and giving in marriage. They had no boundaries, the people, in, in, in Noah's day. And they were disobedient. And the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. That was about 120 years. Noah was preaching. He might have been building the ark for that entire time. The ark was preparing wherein few. Eight souls were saved by water. The like figure, the like figure, that's the shadow. Whereunto even baptism doth now also save us. Noah was, go back to verse 20, eight souls were saved how? This is what I asked my daughter at the table. I said, did the ark save? The ark saved them, didn't they? Didn't it, Allie? The ark saved them. She said, yes. I said, no, it didn't. She said, no, it didn't. I said, but the ark, they got in the ark and they were saved, huh? Weren't they? And she said, yes. And I said, no, they didn't save them. And she said, you're just trying to confuse me. <laughs> the ark is a type of the church. But the ark, I know it's counterintuitive, but the ark did not save Noah. He was saved by water. Just as Noah was saved by the flood, even so baptism saves us. You can't be saved without being baptized. This is what Peter was saying. Baptisms say, baptism saves us. Go to the bottom of your page. Noah's saved by water, just as we're saved by baptism. The children of Israel were saved by water, just as our sins, remember Egypt, are washed away in water baptism. Now we're on page 12. Okay, everybody got it? Page 12. Now, why would we not want to do what Jesus did? What is the apprehension? Whatever Jesus did, I want to do. In fact, um, I, I love fasting. I don't always love, love it when in some of those days, but I love to fast and get close to God. But my example of fasting came from the Lord. I know a lot of, a lot of other people have fasted, and, and I probably was inspired from time to time, but fasting's in the Bible. Jesus fasted, and I think that's something we should do. Follow his example. He forgave, we should forgive. He turned the other cheek, we should turn the other cheek. He, he, rendered, he rendered good for evil. We should do the same. Watch this. Matthew 3.13. Then cometh Jesus to Galilee, Galilee to Jordan unto John. That's John the Baptist. To be baptized of him. Jesus was baptized in water. Why? He was sinless. He didn't even need to be baptized. There was no need for him to be baptized. But Jesus was our perfect example. And he was baptized in order to set baptism in order for all of mankind if jesus was baptized even though he didn't need to be baptized why would i refuse baptism so when i when i'm presenting tonight it's not a denominational lesson this is not about how to join a church this is just strictly bible what does the bible say what is the gospel how do i follow the gospel the death the burial the resurrection of jesus christ not only what did Jesus do, but how did the Bible describe 
this baptism? How did the disciples baptize in the Bible? That's our next section. So we're going to answer that question because it's imperative that we don't take the lead example from people that we love or people that are good folks or, or even men that are pastors or ministries because they didn't write the Bible. I want to know what does the Bible say? How did the disciples baptize? Here's Acts chapter 2 verse 41. Then they that gladly received Peter's word were baptized. The same day they were adding to about 3,000 souls. Can you imagine? 3,000 people were baptized on the day of Pentecost in Jesus' name. Peter had just said in verse 38, baptize in the name of Jesus. And then 3,000 people were baptized. Here's Acts chapter 8, verses 12 to 13. Now, I want to I just kind of take a little side road. I'm going to get back to Acts chapter 8. Remember... Jesus is setting up the early church. He passes through Samaria, and Samaritans did not, did not like the Jews. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. The Samaritans were, they were considered half-breed. They were Jew and Gentile. They didn't have a place to fit. They, they lived a little bit like a, 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 a Jew, but they were also Gentiles. And so Jesus went and sat down at a well with a woman who had been married multiple times, and you may know the story how that he revealed to her her life. And he planted a seed in Samaria. That seed grew and it was manifest in Acts chapter 8. So from John 4, way back there, all the way through, and then, and then Acts chapter 8, we're finding what happened with Philip. When the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God... They sent unto them Peter and John. The revival was so big, Philip couldn't handle it by himself. So Peter and John had to go. Who, when they were come down, they prayed for the people that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only what? Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, I'm sorry, I I didn't read um, verses 13 and 14. They believed Peter. They were baptized, men and women. Simon was baptized. And of course, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus in verse 16. I'm just showing you how the disciples baptized. So you have the Jews in Acts 2. You have the Samaritans. They're the bridge in Acts 8. But now we have a massive group. In fact, the largest group of people in the world are Gentiles. And we, we are Gentiles. And I don't know how many Jewish folks are watching tonight, but Perhaps mostly are Gentiles watching tonight. And I'm kind of glad I'm a Gentile because I like shrimp and I like to eat sausage and pork sticks. So Acts chapter 10, verse 1, there was a man. He was a very good man. His name was Cornelius. He, the Bible said he was of the Italian band. I am also an Italian. And I, I think that has some significance Um, the Italians must have been the premier Gentile. I don't know, but at least they accepted the Lord first before the other Gentiles. And so praise the Lord for all the Italians. Um, I don't know if that applies to you, if that made someone angry. Okay. So anyway, he gave much alms to the poor and the Lord blessed him. And the Lord told him to send men and retrieve Peter. Peter didn't have anything to do with the Gentiles, but Peter had a vision And the Lord put a big banquet table in front of him in the vision. And all the meat and all the food that was on that banquet table were meat and food that Jews would not eat. 
And Peter rejected that, said, I don't, I don't eat that kind of food, Lord. And the Lord said, don't call the things common. Don't, think, don't call the things that I've, I've shown you common or unclean. Then there was a knock on the door. A couple men were there. They brought Peter. And Peter, you know, at this time, he's a little bit nervous. Gentiles had not received the gospel. So Peter brought some Jews with him. We're going to talk about it next week. He brought some Jews with him for moral support, I suppose. And Peter went to the house of Cornelius. He's preaching. He's preaching the gospel to the whole household of Cornelius, the Gentiles. So you got Jews in Acts 2, the the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8, and then finally in Acts 10, you've got a door, the new open door to the whole Gentile race. Here's Acts chapter 10, verse 44 and 48. We're still answering the question, how did the disciples baptize? While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, those were the Jews that came with Peter. They were astonished that the gift of the Holy Ghost had been poured out, even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speak with tongues and praise God. Peter said, can anyone keep these people? Who is he talking to? He's appealing to to the circumcised Jews. Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So we ordered them to do what? To be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Wow. Now, just so that everyone would know a full disclosure of the book of Acts, I'm going to offer all the places where people were baptized. Here's a, a terrible night. Paul and Silas was preaching. They actually helped someone out, but they were beaten, put in an inner prison. And they began to pray and sing praises to God in Acts chapter 16. An earthquake came. It opened up all the doors. It's the inner prison. There's no light. The only light are, are that of, of a torch or a candle, some fire. And the jailer was, was commissioned at the cost of his own life not to allow Peter and Silas, I'm sorry, Paul and Silas to, be, to escape. The earthquake opened up all the doors. All the shackles fell off everyone's feet. People are running out. It's chaos. Can you imagine the chaotic scene? Prisoners are escaping. And the chief jailer draws his sword to kill himself. He knows he's going to die anyway. And Paul and Silas says, don't, don't do yourself any harm. And so he brings Paul and Silas out. He's astonished that they did not run away. They could have escaped. He brought them out. Think of this. This is at midnight. Maybe there's a moon out. Who knows? Maybe there's moonlight. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe on the Lord, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved in your household. Now, if you just took that for face value and stopped right there, you would say, well, you know, now that's differing from what the other scriptures you talked about, pastor. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to them, because it didn't stop there, and to all his house. And at the hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. This is not a contradiction. You will be saved. But you're not saved right now. Believe. And then what happened afterwards? They were baptized. I'm just presenting. Now it doesn't say how they were baptized. Just baptized and we know with water. Here's Paul. Before Paul. This is at the bottom of your page. Let me just give you the setting. Before Paul was named Paul, his name was Saul. And he was, the Bible says he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the Christians. He was zealous. He was persecuting the Christians uh, in the name of God. Can you imagine? God had set up these people and Saul, Paul, was wounding them, hurting them. We're going to talk about this in the, in the fourth lesson. But Paul's on his way 
to Damascus to hurt more Christians, to imprison them. A light shining from heaven, and there is a conversion. But, but the Bible says scales covered his eyes. It's a supernatural thing. He actually could not see. They led him into a man's house who was a believer. His name was Ananias. And Paul is rehearsing what happened. He's retelling the story in Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And he said, this is what Ananias told me. He said, and now why tarriest thou? This was before Paul even knew the Lord. Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And we know what the name of the Lord is. So as the disciples did, they baptized with water and they baptized exclusively in the name of Jesus. All right. You know, I've been around a lot of Christian people. I'm so grateful for all my Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord. I believe that if you, uh, if you have faith in God, if you believe in the Lord, we are of a kindred spirit. And if you've been baptized in another way, uh, I'm so glad that the Lord showed you light and the Lord showed me light. And I don't think I have it all together. I really don't. I don't believe that I know everything about the Bible. I'm still learning every day. New revelations, new things are coming to me. And I would say that if, if Paul would have been content to allow people to be baptized in another way, then, then I would be content. But Paul was not content. And in Acts chapter 19, this on your next page, even believers were rebaptized. You might be a believer tonight, and maybe you need to be rebaptized. You would say, oh, well, I don't need to be rebaptized, but it happened in the Bible. In fact, watch this in Acts 19. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. He found certain disciples. Who were they? They were disciples of John. John baptized unto repentance. But he baptized in repentance, kind of, he was kind of like Lewis and Clark, paving the way, making a road. So Paul found them and he said, hey, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we don't even know what you're talking about. We've never even heard of that. And then verse, verse 3, Paul said, well, how were you baptized? Under what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Now, Paul didn't say they were not believers. They were believers. In fact, Paul identified with them, you're a believer, I'm a believer, but how were you baptized? He didn't leave them alone. He didn't say, well, that's good as long as you're a believer. No. He said, how are you, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And how are you baptized? They said, well, under John's baptism. And then Paul said, well, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. And John said to the people, they should believe on him, which should come after him. That's on Christ Jesus. Well, when those disciples of John heard this, what did they do? They didn't reject it and say, you know, I've already been baptized. No, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul laid his hands upon them. The Holy Ghost came in and they spake with tongues. Watch this. They were already believers, which means they had already repented. Now there was death and now we see resurrection. The gospel, death burial, resurrection. So if you're a believer and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I submit to you, Acts chapter 19, this is for you. This is your life. You're, no one's questioned that you, you're a believer, but how were you baptized? Paul preached exclusivity in the name of Jesus for the mission of sins. Now, I hope everybody's doing okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm just talking and talking here. 
And here we are. Let's go back to, let's go back to this Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And at the end of these, there's a great commission. Jesus is talking. He's resurrected, and he has something to say, and the disciples are taking what he has to say. At the end of the book of Matthew, this is the only time it's found, at the end of the book of Matthew, there's a great commission. And Matthew records it like this. Jesus said, Go ye therefore, this is in the middle of your page, I, I think you're on page 13. Here we are. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, this is Jesus talking, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Here's the question. The disciples were hearing this, and not just disciples, the whole 120 people that were there, all the people that journeyed from that point all the way to Jerusalem. If Jesus had told them to baptize them, baptize the world, people, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, why did they do what he said? Here's the fact. No person in the Bible was ever baptized in the titles of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost. No one. Everyone was baptized in the name. The disciples did exactly what Jesus commanded them to do. They baptized everyone in the name, his name, for their remission of sins. Here's the answer. Why didn't they do that? Because they understood what Jesus said. Baptize them in the name. That is a singular word. Not in titles. What is the name? I will submit to you that Jesus is the name of the Father. Jesus is the name of the Son. Jesus is the name of the Holy Ghost. The disciples did exactly what Jesus said. You'll never find anyone being baptized in the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost in the Bible. Because they understood what he was saying. So let's just talk about that. What's the name of the Son? Well, everybody knows that. It's coming up for Christmas. She shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus is the name of the Son. What's the, what's the name of the Father? Now, Father is not a name. That's a title. That's a, that's a position. Jesus said this. In John chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. I'm come in my Father's name. Let's go to another wonderful Christmas scripture at the top of page 14. And I'll just play a little bit of that advocate here. And we all know this scripture. We memorized it. I, 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 it'll probably be somewhere in a bulletin, somewhere in your churches come, come December. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son, son is given. Who are we talking about? Everybody say it. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Who are we talking about? And his name shall be called Wonderful. Who are we talking about? Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. Uh-oh. Really? Jesus will be called the Everlasting Father. His name, the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. There's only one name. The Bible says the whole family of heaven and earth is named after that name. Here's Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other way to, for salvation. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. Here's Colossians 3.17 and I love this verse. 
And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, with language or with action, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So why would I marry someone in Jesus' name? Why would I bury someone in Jesus' name? Why would I pray over my dinner or my food and end it in Jesus' name and not baptize in Jesus' name? Because the Bible says, whatever I do in word or in deed, in language or in action, do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now let's answer the question, what's the name of the Holy Ghost? But the Comforter, Jesus said this, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. The name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost is Jesus. That's why the disciples always baptized in the name of Jesus. Now I have some money to give away. It's not real money, but it's kind of fake money, I guess. I was showing some young people a checkbook, which they've never seen before in their life, because now today everything's by debit card or Apple Pay. And and I don't really understand Apple Pay, except that um, I write a check or give money and then like if everyone orders pizzas and then I pay for the pizza and everyone gives Tammy uh, they pay her on Apple Pay so she's got a lot of money in Apple Pay and I get shorted and I don't have any cash or in my checkbook so this is a rip off all of you understand what I'm talking about you know you pay for it and then they reimbursed through Apple Pay. I don't have Apple Pay, so I don't know where that money went. All I know is I bought about five pizzas for somebody and I didn't get paid back. Here is a check. It's an old-fashioned check. It's a great check. I shop, I shop. I, I bank at the improper fraction called Fifth Third Bank. I don't know why they call it Fifth Third. Um, and down here is, I want to give someone tonight a gift And here is who I'm going to give it to. I'm going to give it to John. And and I'm going to give one million dollars. One million dollars. That's a lot of zeros. I've never seen so many zeros. Here's my check number. And there it is. Now I could give you that check, but unless... I fill it out completely. You can go to the bank, but you can't cash it. Now, I don't have a million dollars in my account. And even if I did write this, it wouldn't wouldn't make much difference to you. But if I had that and I wanted to give it to you, which would be a great blessing. If I wrote one of my positions, I am a father. I've got four children. That qualifies me. If I put father down, you would not be able to cash that check. Because I only wrote... A title. If I wrote son, you would not be able to cash that check because, once again, or my personality or my spirit, which you know what, you know my personality is. I'm docile, calm, calm, or whatever. I don't know. Hyper. If, if I wrote all of that, it, it, you wouldn't be able to. I have to put my name. I have to put my name, Jeffrey Harple, Jeffrey Carlton Harple, on that check or you can't cash it because the only way you can extract the wealth or the value is through the name. And this is what we know about the name. The name in baptism is critical. And there's a mode and a formula for baptism. It's found in the Bible. This is why, if anyone wants to know, this is why when we baptize someone in the baptismal tank, we put them all the way under the water and when they're going down... I, I want them to say in Jesus' name, and I say in Jesus' name. We're all saying in Jesus' name. 
in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins in the water. That's how they did it in the New Testament. Think of this. Now, I've been to Israel many times on the south wall. On the south wall, you know the Wailing Wall is the western wall. The south wall, there, there are little, years ago, mikvahs. There's still a few remnants of a mikvah. A mikvah was a, was a, a, a ceremonial baptism. You can walk down, dip down, and then you're ceremonially clean and go into the temple. And that had to be the place where all these people were baptized in these mikvahs. But they were baptized in that in Jesus' name. Because they spilled out of Jerusalem, uh, out of the upper room. They had to find some place where there was water. And this is the obvious place where 3,000 people were baptized in one day. 3,000. So the mode of baptism, according to the Bible, is immersion... In water. Immersion in water. That's on your handout. Colossians 2.12. Buried with him. That's immersion in water. Matthew 3.16. When Jesus was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. That shows that there was a lot of water. Uh, John 3.23. And John also was baptized in a non near Salem because there was much water there. People were coming to be baptized. The formula is in the name of Jesus. Always forever in the name of Jesus. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Acts 19.5 and 6, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 22, calling on the name of the Lord. The baptismal formula is in the name of Jesus. And many people have come to this church, from other churches, and maybe you've been baptized in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I just want to encourage you tonight. Be baptized in the name of Jesus according to the Bible. Because if you're a believer, there's another step to take according to the Bible. This is the scripture. Everyone in the Bible was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because that was the command of Jesus Christ to all of his disciples. Amen. It's a great day. I'm so thankful that God shows us his word of what the gospel is. And remember the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. When we, when we repent of our sins, we're dying out. We're dying out. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like having a piece of paper and the debt is on the paper. When you, when you repent, the debt is marked out. You've repented. It's marked out. But when you're baptized, it's buried as if it never existed before. It's as if you never sinned and the blood of Jesus is applied in repentance and burial and in the resurrection. Now, I just want to end here and just say that the blood is applied in all of those places. Just like the, the, the shadow, it's, it's, it's the shadow of things to come. It's the representative of things to come. And the tabernacle had three main articles, and we talked about this, three main articles. It had, it had the, the, the altar where there was sacrifice, it had a molten sea where they washed, and it had the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. The altar of death, that was repentance. The molten sea, that was baptism. The Ark of the Covenant was resurrection. The blood was applied at all three of those major places, but at the end, at the Ark of the Covenant, it was consumed. It was received. Amen. So tonight we're talking about that molten sea, the baptism of water in the name of Jesus. I want to pray for you before we end. And I hope that you'll go back through the scriptures and read through what 
I've taught tonight and consider whether or not you're ready to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Wherever you are, I know the Lord wants to shine that great light in your heart. Lord, I'm thankful tonight for your word. I'm thankful for this word that you've given to us. Lord, this, this lesson is not about church names or denomination, Lord. It's just about obeying the scripture. What we found in the scripture, Lord, it's undeniable that baptism is for us, needed for us. We want to put on Christ through baptism. We want to be buried with you in baptism. So I pray tonight, help us to receive the word with all readiness of mind. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.